This week on The Breakup Breakdown. I hear this voice in my head and it's like something happened between your husband and your best friend. I need to do a little more investigating. There was one day where we were having a quickie. All that's going through my head is like, is he cheating on me? I'm like, oh, me like your wife's gonna walk in and he freezes. And I'm like, this is actually happening. Isn't it crazy how even before you have any concrete proof that you're getting cheated on, you can just feel it. It's the worst, right? Hey, it's Abby from The Breakup Breakdown. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode. But of course, in this episode, she has that gut feeling and then she eventually walks in on him and her best friend. And you can imagine it is quite the story. And hey, if you have a breakup story of your own, feel free to submit it in the episode description. Or if you've seen somebody on TikTok that you've always wanted to dive deeper into their breakup story, if you're like a little bit curious, or maybe it's that girl from your high school who all of a sudden deleted all of her engagement photos out of nowhere and you want someone to ask her about it. Again, that submission form is in the episode description. And if you like following your podcast on social media, you can find us on Instagram at Breakup Breakdown Podcast. The timestamps for this interview are in the episode description, and I always appreciate it when you leave us a positive review. Hey, Art Breakers, welcome back to another episode of the Breakup Breakdown. Oh my gosh, can you tell I'm excited about this one? So this submission actually comes straight from TikTok. It's one of those where everyone's sending it to me. I'm getting tagged out the wazoo in the comment section, and it is an infidelity story and a breakup story with a friendship, and it ends up with our interviewee walking in on her husband, and I guess now her ex-best friend, getting it on. But before we get into this week's episode, I want to let you know which domestic violence shelter we are raising awareness for this week. This week, we are raising awareness for the Crisis Center North in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The Crisis Center North is a 501c3 nonprofit counseling and resource center that provides services to victims of domestic violence and their loved ones in the Pittsburgh area. For more details on how you can support, donate, and commit your time to help them out, you can check out those resources in the episode description. Okay, so like I said, this submission came from TikTok, and it was like one of those get ready with me videos, you know, where they have the makeup headband, and they're like, get ready with me you do walk in on my suspended <laughs> ex-best friend getting it on but it was more of like a story time basically she was getting into a couple of like vague details about it and she mentioned in it you know her and her husband were expecting her second child i guess her best friend was like a doula or a midwife of some sort and so she was present for the birth she has the kid and like a couple weeks later she walks in on the husband and her best friend slash doula getting freaky and i'm like you cannot just drop a bomb like that and not tell us the full story in my mind i'm like there's no way that this wasn't showing signs for weeks on end. Or maybe it was, maybe she was totally blindsided and that's interesting too. So of course I slid into her DMs and I said, hey, do you want to come on and give us some more details and let us know more of the full story? And she's like, oh my gosh, absolutely. So of course we're going to hash it all out and I'm just so invested. You know what? There's going to be a lot that we can take away from this too. I mean, getting cheated on is one thing, but walking in and seeing it happen is a traumatizing experience in itself. I know we're going to learn a lot while getting all those juicy details. So let's get into it and break down this week's breakup. I was definitely young. I met my now ex-husband. I met him at church out of all places. The irony for sure. I had actually just gotten out of another relationship. So I remember like unpacking all of this with my therapist after the affair. And I was like, I was like so damaged. Basically rebounded to the man I married from a toxic relationship before that with someone that I had also met at church. So I don't meet men at church anymore. You gotta watch out for those church boys. They put on that facade. It's a total 100%. So you meet him at church. He throws a couple Bible 
versus your way, you're like, oh my gosh, he's such a good man. What were some of like the actual things that were attractive about him? You know, we were friends and we would go running together and we like ran a marathon together. And I think it was just all of this hype of everyone at church was like, oh, you guys are the perfect couple. And so I just kind of went along with it and just was so young and didn't realize you shouldn't probably marry someone, one that you've never lived with and two who's never not lived with his mom and dad. So that was like the first red flag I overlooked. How old were you guys? So we started dating when I was 20 because we celebrated my 21st birthday together. We got married when I was 22 because I think I turned 23 like a month later. This is so young. I have to ask the obvious Christian question. Did you guys rush the marriage for Christian reasons? Oh, 100%. Yeah, there was all this pressure, you know, like, oh, don't have sex before you're married because it's going to lead to divorce. Sex might lead to divorce is not in the way that they were thinking. Um, Right, exactly. (laughs) Okay, so you date for a couple of years. You get hitched. When do things start to go wrong or were things pretty bad from the beginning? Things were definitely bad from the beginning. And again, I didn't really totally realize it until I like started going through therapy and things like that. Or I would have like flashbacks. It's crazy when you like go through something traumatic, how your brain really fogs things out. And then we got pregnant, not really planned, but I'm also like, well, you're having sex and you're not taking birth control. You're going to have a baby. When I told him that I was pregnant, we were pregnant probably a year and a half into our marriage. He was like not happy about it because I think he was on the like five year track. And so that was when things just like went downhill because I always looked back and I was like, oh my gosh, have I ever told my boyfriend or my partner or whoever, hey, I'm pregnant and they aren't happy about it? I'd be like, you're not signing the birth certificate. Well, uh, also clearly he wasn't pulling his end of the bargain if he didn't want to have kids. Right, exactly. So it was definitely like- intended, but pun is there. <laughs> so I look back and I'm like, wow, this was like so toxic from the beginning. And then of course, you know, he felt terrible once their son was born and all of that. People would say, oh, are you excited to be a dad? And he's like, no. I'm like, Dude, we have friends who are like going through fertility issues. Like you better not say that in front of them or I'm going to be just secondhand embarrassment because that's not something that you typically say. Like at least fake it till you make it kind of a situation. Well, also, so, like, this is your child. I mean, you guys got married. It's not like this wasn't a possibility at some point. So be an adult about it. Suck it up. It's not thrilling, but it's your child. Right. 100%. We planned our second child. And so he was very excited about that time around. And he would always be like, I can't believe I wasn't supportive the first time. Like he would always apologize for it. I know he genuinely was sorry, but you kind of don't realize until you've lost the opportunity. Too little, too late. Okay, so now you're pregnant with your second child. At this point, you've got a family. It wasn't the timing that you expected, but it's happening. Where does your best friend come into this story? Definitely. And met her through a woman that I knew at church. That mutual friend ended up also being terrible. What church are you going to? I know, I know, right? Which is so funny, though, because all of my other really close friends are all from the same church and they're great. So I guess you just like get a couple bad apples. But I tend to like draw some weird energy towards me sometimes. I don't know what it is. So I meet this girl through some mutual friends and we just kind of hit it off. We had like a lot of things very similar in our lifestyle. We both, you know, ate gluten-free and both ate healthy and both worked out. We liked a lot of the same things. I remember one time I went to like pick something up from her house and she had a Thrive Market and a Lululemon order on her porch. And this was at the very beginning of our friendship. And I was like, oh, that's the same stuff sitting at my porch right now. We're definitely gonna be friends or whatever. We just kind of became friends, but almost like too quickly. Kind of like when you start dating someone and you just like rush into things and you don't really do your homework or or ask around because again it's a girlfriend so like you don't do your research like you would on a guy we both love gluten-free bread we love yoga and you know you're not thinking this girl's gonna be any kind of a threat to your life the more the merrier she's a girl that you really vibe with now you're pregnant with your second child and she could do love yeah so what's interesting and again this should have been my first red flag as soon as i meet her i find out that her and her husband have been having a hard time having a baby so i'm like oh cool i can't really be like oh we're trying to because like that's a trigger and i'm always like really sensitive to people so when i told her i was pregnant 
pregnant, she kind of ghosted me for a little while, put some distance between us, would like hang out with other people. And I'd be like, oh, do you guys want like a sober pregnant driver? And they're like, no, we're fine. And just kind of weird. And so I just was like, I'm going to let this run its course. Not that big of a deal. We haven't known you for very long. Like I just was kind of, eh, whatever. I have friends come and go all the time. So I was pregnant with my daughter and my ex-husband planned this girl's night for me. He never did anything like that. Like he was just so focused on himself and doing nothing, like having no hobbies or having any friends. So for him to like plan something for me was kind of out of the ordinary. So he like got all these girls together and she was like spearheading it. But I don't think he realized because he was so clueless that her and I like weren't that close anymore. We go out and we have a good time. At one point during the night, one of the other friends sat us both down and we like kind of talked through whatever the issue was. And then we were like fine after that point. And then she was back to, oh, I want to be at your birth. Because it was like, as soon as I announced I was pregnant, she was like, oh, I want to be at your birth because she was a nurse's assistant in the labor and delivery room at one of the hospitals in town. So she just was used to like being in the birth room. And then I think after that point, she wanted to be a doula. There were like a handful of girls in this little yoga community that were all going to doula school. And so it was just, again, like a trendy thing to do. And so I don't know if she was like trying to capitalize on me and like my social media platform. I'm sure she had an angle because now I'm finding out that's the kind of person she is. So she saw an employment opportunity. 100%. When looking back, I'm like, oh, she totally had an angle that she was trying to work for sure. Gotcha. Like if I tell my best friend I'm pregnant and she starts distancing from me then, that's the last person I want at my birth. So what was it about her that you were like, all right, come on. I just was at such a weird place in my life. So like my family lived at the time like 30 miles away from me. And then my ex-husband's family was in town, but they never helped us with anything. And so like my mom would come to where we lived as often as she could to help me and she'd stay all day. But it was just nice to have someone who was like, hey, let's go to the grocery store together. And that'd be like me, her and my kid. And so I just didn't have to do as much alone anymore. My ex-husband wasn't going to the grocery store with me or like doing all these errands with me or giving me a hand or whatever. And so it was just kind of nice to like have someone to do stuff with. You know, her husband was like always out of town working. She didn't have kids. So she was just a little more available than all my other like mom friends were. And so I think that was kind of how she made her way back in. So how did the actual birth go? Like, was she a great doula? It was a really good experience, which is like so sad that she's like in all of my photos and he's in all of my photos and all that kind of stuff because I have just like one really crappy picture that I've like cropped both of them out of of like my daughter and I at my birth. I just went into like postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety. I just was like not sleeping. No one was happy. My ex-husband would like leave for work and I would be crying. Please don't go. Please don't go. Because I just was like, I can't do this alone. And so again, that's where this friend came into play. Oh, I'll hold the baby for you so you can go get your lashes done. Or oh, I'll hold the baby for you so you can like go to the grocery store with one kid. Or like she would help me. And so again, that was like why I kept her around because it was like I had basically a sister or a nurse or whatever postpartum doula who was like all ways down to give me a hand with my super fussy kid. Our life kind of bounced back. Like I wasn't sad. I wasn't as depressed. We were able to put both kids down for a nap and just have a breather. Like I wasn't crying all the time. And so the irony of that is like I ended up catching them like three weeks later. Dude, life was finally turning around. This is like a really difficult post-birth and also she's hanging around. So are you noticing some things during that time where you're like, wait a second, I think they're kind of vibing in a way that my friend should not be vibing with my husband. There was one night where something happened and that was when it pivoted. So I remember her and her husband were like in a tiff about something and my ex-husband and I were like upset about something. We never really fought, which I think was actually probably part of the problem. Had he been like, hey, I'm having an issue with this, we could have worked through it, but he just swept so much under the rug that like I had no idea he was like struggling or things like that, right? So there was one night where we were, everyone was just kind of upset at each other. So her and I were like, hey, let's go out and get a bite to eat. So we went to a restaurant and had dinner and you know, I was breastfeeding and I just never really drank 
ever. She like ordered us a shot right as we were leaving. She's like, oh, let's go to the grocery store. Like, do you have any other drinks at your house? And I was like, uh, like, I don't know. So we went to the grocery store and picked up like some white claws or some Trulies or something like that. Right. And so we get back to the house and then the three of us are out in the living room, just like hanging out and they like start cracking open these like white claws or whatever. So I was like, oh, I'm home. Kids are asleep. Like, let me have a couple, whatever. We'll, you know, I'll let loose. Finally, we're just like hanging out. I remember like music on and my daughter woke up. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go feed her or whatever. And I passed out with her in bed, which was like so normal for me to just fall asleep with her and then wake up. And so I woke up in the morning and he was on the couch. And then I hear this voice in my head and it's like something happened between your husband and your best friend. And I remember being like, what the heck? I've never been worried. Never. Never been like, oh, he's liking, you know, half naked girls on Instagram or, oh, he's hiding his phone from me or ever been concerned at all. So I started really self-checking, like, am I just being insecure? You know, is this hormones? I had no idea. And so then about a week later, kind of the same situation happened again. So it happened a couple of times. And then that was when I started noticing their body language together when they'd like say hi and the way they'd hug each other. And I noticed they're texting and I was like, okay, like this is getting weird. You know, I know you like saw my kitty cat and a baby come out of it and all that. And that's when I was like, okay, she thinks she's like a sister wife. What's going on? Like, this is just getting a little too weird. But I was like, not going to jump to conclusions until I had the facts. And I should preface this with, I caught my ex-boyfriend in high school cheating on me. I caught my now ex-brother-in-laws, his ex-wife cheating on him on Snapchat. I can find things out. Your cheating radar is clearly spot on. I'm like, I might as well be a PI. So I was just like, I need to do a little more investigating before I accuse, you know, the man I'm married to, the man of my children that he's cheating on me because I wanted to make sure that I was right. I just really start like paying attention to their body language and different things like that. There was one day where we were having a quickie or something while the kids were napping and I'm just like so over it. I'm like so just like wanting this to be over. I'm like miserable. All that's going through my head is like, is he cheating on me? Are they having sex? That's what's like going through my mind, right? I go, me like your wife's gonna walk in and he freezes and I don't even remember if he like finished after that point or what happened or if it was just over or what happened because I was just kind of like trying to test the waters and like see his reaction if he'd think it was funny or what so he was just like deer in headlights one of the things this friend and I would do is we would like take our dogs for a walk and the kids for a walk later that day on one of our normal daily walks and I never would talk about my sex life with anyone first of all there's nothing to tell we're chit-chatting about something and I go, oh yeah, you know, we were like doing a quickie right before he left for work. I was kind of over it. And I, I told him to fuck me like his wife was going to walk in. And she like stopped dead in her tracks. Deer in the headlights, jaw dropped, just didn't say anything. Kept walking and changed the subject. And I was like, oh, okay, like something is happening, right? The time that I finally did actually catch them, we had this kiddie pool because we where we lived, it was like 105 degrees outside in the summer. I already hate where this is going. We're like outside. And I remember this day so clear because at the time I was like a beauty counter consultant or whatever. And so beauty counter had just come out with this like tinted sunscreen. So I'm helping him put the sunscreen on and she like comes over and starts to help him put the sunscreen on above his swimsuit line. And I'm like, girl, one, he can reach there. Two, I'm already helping him. And all this is playing through my head of like, okay, if your husband was here needing help with sunscreen, how would that be going on? Right. And it'd be like, oh, okay, he needs his shoulder blades done. And I'm the only one with dry hands. That would be the only reason why I would apply sunscreen to her husband is if it's just literally that spot between the shoulder blades, no one can reach. So this is all 
all going through my mind as she's like rubbing my ex-husband down with this tinted sunscreen. Her husband was at work while all this was happening. Her husband worked Monday through Friday. So it was like just kind of like two days a week that this would happen for just like three or four weeks before I finally caught them. I just was like, okay, something's going on. And so I'm like, hey guys, I'm going to go in and start on dinner. Now again, it was like four o'clock in the afternoon. So like my kids are outside. So we had this little kiddie pool and the kids are like getting in and out of the pool. My daughter was like walking around on her little walker. And every time I would like walk past where I could see them out in the backyard, they would like kind of stop what they were doing. They were like keeping an eye on me too. This is getting weird. So I'm like making some chicken or doing whatever. And I hear this voice that I've been hearing say, go look out your bathroom window. And I was like, okay, this isn't like me being paranoid or my subconscious. I was like, that must be Jesus or something because that was so clear. Go look out your bathroom window. Like what? What? I'm not even in the bathroom. I'm in the kitchen, right? So I like flip through the house, go to my bathroom window and it's tempered so you can't see in or see out. And I just crack it open a tiny, tiny bit. And I'm like watching them out in the kiddie pool. And I literally watch and hear her have an orgasm. He's like fingering her in the kiddie pool. And my kids are like running around on the pool deck. I'm not a huge fan of spicy foods, but I do like a bit of spice in other areas of my life. Reality TV fights, make it spicy. My margaritas make them very spicy. And when it comes to the spice cabinet you keep beside your bed, you got to have a wide variety of spices to keep things heated up. If you've been looking for some more flavor to add to your life behind closed doors, Adam and Eve can help you bring the heat with some fun new items to turn up the temp between you and someone else. Or if it's a single girl summer, there's plenty of options for those of you riding solo this year. Adam and Eve is offering 50% off just about any item and they'll include free shipping and rush processing so you can spice things up ASAP. And you don't got to worry about your neighbors noticing your delivery. Adam and Eve ships things out in discreet packaging. So you and Deborah down the street don't have to make awkward eye contact when you get your mail. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item and select just enter offer code Abby at checkout. That's A-B-B-Y at adamandeve.com. This exclusive offer is specific to this podcast. So be sure to use code Abby to get your discount code Abby. I feel like there's two types of people in the world. The people that get super excited when the temps hit the 80s and the people who are like, holy crap, it's bathing suit weather and I do not feel my best. The warmer it is, the more dialed in I feel like I need to be with my nutrition. But I gotta be honest with you, I hate cooking. Do I cook for myself and feel great? Or do I get takeout and eat a bunch of crap that's just honestly expensive and not that great for you? That's why I really enjoyed trying out Factor. Factor is a meal service that requires no prep. All you gotta do is heat them up in the microwave for like two minutes and they're chef crafted. So they're actually designed to meet your nutrition goals. Whether you're trying to watch your calories, get more protein in or follow a keto diet. There are 35 different meals and 60 add-ons to choose from with breakfast, lunches, dinners, and even desserts. Head to factormeals.com slash breakup50 and use code breakup50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code breakup50 at factormeals.com slash breakup50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Can your kids see them doing that? You know, the kiddie pool was probably like two and a half, three feet tall, like a little bit of a barrier with the kiddie pool. But I mean, 100%. And I'm sure he knows exactly what's going on, but like just can't even communicate. He could say like three words at the time. I like watching through the bathroom window, seeing what's happening. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I just heard this woman like have an orgasm. He doesn't even make me come. So I like drop to the floor and I'm like, oh my gosh, everything that I thought was happening happened. I didn't make this up. I'm not crazy. I'm not insecure. This is actually happening. And I remember taking my wedding ring off, like throwing it in my jewelry box. And I was like, okay, how am I going to handle this? I walk out and I go out to the backyard and I go, hey, can you uh, give me a hand with the chicken? And so my ex-husband comes into the house and then I like take him to back to our bedroom and I go, hey, look, I saw you guys in the pool. I know you've been hooking up. You don't even need to say anything. Don't try to lie about it. I know what's happening. And he's just like, oh, I'm so sorry. I can't believe 
I did, did anything like this. Like, blah, 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 making up all this bullshit. And then she walks in and she's like, is everything okay? So I tell her, I go, oh, I think I'm gonna throw up, which was totally a blatant lie. I hadn't even like had anything to drink that night, but she bought it. And so she's like, oh, okay. So she leaves. Him and I like talk it out. I bring up every single time I thought that they had hooked up. He admitted to it and all that. And so then like three days later, I approach her about it and I go, hey, look, I know you guys have been hooking up. And she goes, oh, I can't believe I, I love my husband so much. I don't know what I was thinking. Craziest part is I stayed friends with her for like three more months because I was so traumatized. And I was like, oh, if I can forgive my, if I can forgive my husband, I can forgive my best friend. I even was going to therapy. I don't know why my therapist wasn't like, girl, hold up. Because then as soon as I had told a friend about what happened, it took about three months for me to even tell anyone. My friend, it was like, she pulled my head out of water. She's like, how are you still friends with her? I can't even continue to be friends with her. Like, what are you thinking? It finally ended things with her three months after. And around that time, she'd gotten pregnant from this IUI that they did. And she got pregnant with twins and she ended up miscarrying one of them. And I just had like no empathy for her miscarrying a baby. And I'm a very empathetic person. And so that was when I realized, oh, I can't be your friend anymore. I have literally no empathy for you. Like you reaped what you sowed. Like karma's got you, all of that. So that was all around the same time of telling the other friend and ending things like that. I told her, I was like, I'm not going to tell your husband. She was like begging me to not tell her husband. The main reason I didn't tell her was because I just didn't trust her. I really was concerned that she was going to like flip the script because I, at the time I had chosen to stay with my ex-husband. I was like, he's my livelihood. Like I can't risk like this happening because obviously I can't trust her with my husband. So how could I trust her to not like blow up the situation? And him and I, again, were friends and we went, to, we all went to the same chiropractor, the same church, the same grocery store. So I was like, we're gonna run into each other. There's just no way we're not gonna like run into each other. He's gonna hit me up being like, oh, I haven't seen you around the house lately. Is everything okay? And he never did. So I just kind of let it go. And then once I finally, after like 18 months was like, I cannot be married to you anymore. People were like, well, why didn't you tell him when you got divorced? I just got to a point where I was like, I didn't care. I was like, go down in your dysfunction. You either know and don't care or you don't know and it's not my problem. How did you work through that with your husband? Because that's a huge betrayal. Not only is it a betrayal to cheat on you, but it's almost kind of like he wanted to get caught because he literally did it right in your backyard. You could have walked in on them at any time. Right. And that's the crazy part too, because he would work 4 p.m. to 2 a.m. So it's like he could have had a whole other life when he got off at 2 a.m. in another house and I would have had no idea. So that's that's definitely the ironic part about it because I know a lot of people who do work in that type of a job. The divorce rate or the cheating rate's really high because of the weird hours and it's just so easy to get away with things. We went to therapy and I like forgave him, moved through everything. We learned how to communicate better. Shortly after that was when COVID hit and I still was like kind of on the fence about things, but I just, I didn't really have a job. We had just bought a house. So, and we'd like just put it in a pool right after the kiddie pool incident happened. We actually put a real pool into our backyard. And so I just was like too deep into a life with him at the time to just like make a quick decision. And then COVID hit and I just like didn't know what was going to happen. He quote had an essential job. And so I just was like, okay, like let's just ride this out and kind of see like where the world goes. Like people are being laid off from work. Like I can't like leave him and go try to get a job. Like I just was like, I don't have any other options right now. I didn't have any family who like had extra bedrooms where I could have just like swooped up the kids and been like, hi mom and dad, we're moving in. Like there wasn't even room for us in that kind of a situation. 2020 happens. And again, we had like just put in a pool and our backyard was gorgeous. I had spent like my whole entire, everything I had, both mentally, physically, emotionally, financially, like remodeling our house and remodeling our yard. So it was like on the outside, my life looked great. Like I had a good time. I was like always posting on Instagram and had this whole facade of like, oh, everything's okay. It wasn't that I was trying to be fake. I think I was trying to convince myself that everything was going to be okay. And then he would randomly leave for either like a work trip or a hunting trip. And my life was easier. And I was like, how is my life easier with two kids when you're not here? And so that was when I really started to realize like, oh, wow, he really is the problem. And so I started journaling because that was one of the things my therapist had told me to do. 
And so I started to notice a lot of the, again, like we talked about at the beginning, like the household things. Oh, I'm having a better time because I'm the only one making a mess. Or if something's out, oh, I'm the only adult here. It was me. And like my kids and I had a really good routine and he never had any sort of a routine. So he was always like throwing off our routine when he was around. And so got to the point where I was like, okay, my life is easier without you. I'm too young for this to be the rest of my life. At the time I was 28 years old. I'm almost 32 now. And so I just was like, I'm too young for this to be the rest of my life. I think the summer of 2020 was when I was like, I can't do this. But it took me five months to kind of like plan my exit. Like I found a job. I figured out what I was going to do for housing and just kind of started like figure out what my plan was and just different things like that. We were getting along. Like it wasn't like it was like an abusive relationship or a super like toxic relationship where he's yelling at me or anything like that. And so I just was like ready and I had made the decision, okay, this isn't going to work out. We were doing something and he was upset with me about something. I don't even remember. I wish I remembered what it was, but it was so petty. So I sat him down. I go, hey, what's going on? And he's like ragging on me for like his laundry not being done or something not being in the fridge or it was just something so petty. I wish I remembered what it was because that's how petty it was. And my response to him was, well, I guess it's time for us to separate. And he literally is so shocked. He goes, I didn't imagine this conversation going that way because I don't think he would have like picked a bone with me over something so petty if he knew I was going to leave him. I was like told him that I said, hey, look, I really need you to like sleep in the other bedroom. I just don't even want I don't want to be in bed with you, things like that. So the next morning I like wake up and he's like bringing me in breakfast and coffee. I always got up with the kids because he would get home really late from work or whatever. And I would keep them quiet if he got home later. And there was like one day a week where he didn't have to go to work later that day and he didn't get off work really early that I was always like, hey, can you please get up with the kids? It was like Tuesday morning or something like that, Monday or Tuesday morning. And he would like, oh, fine. And like storm out, get up with the kids and like bring me a cup of coffee. I was like, all I wanted that was out like one day a week. And it was always a thing. And so then for him to like walk in with this whole spread of breakfast, which I never eat breakfast in the morning. Like I always just start with my coffee and then I'll have breakfast a little while later. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, absolutely not. Like you're trying to win me back. This is too far gone, right? So like a few more days of this go by of like him doting on me. Like the house is spotless. He's doing his own laundry. He's putting all the dishes away. I'm like, dude, you should have started this like seven years ago. Because Hail Mary was not cutting it. Yeah. So and I was getting to the point where I remember there were a couple of times where I was like, oh, can you do X, Y, and Z for me? And then I was like, bitch, are you totally like using him right now? Because you know he's going to do it. So at that point, I finally, because I just, just such an honest person that I was like, I can't do that to you. I can't like make you think you can win me back by doing this stuff for me. So at that point, I go, hey, look, like I need you to move out. And I think he thought maybe we were like going to get back together. He was like, will you come? He finally started going to therapy after I left him. He's like, will you come with me to therapy? And I remember going a couple times and I just was like, what am I doing here? Like, I'm just making everyone think that we're going to work this out. And I had already like had papers that were going to be served to him and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So you divorced him after that conversation. You've mentally decided I'm done with that relationship. You separate. I'm curious how things went with your ex-best friend. Was that more of like a ghosting situation or did you ever confront her like, I'm done with this relationship? Oh yeah. So I'm trying to think of what I did. I I think I sent her a long like text message and was just like, hey, look, because again, I didn't trust her at all. And so I just wanted to make sure like she knew that I still respected her as a human being and I wasn't going to completely trash her name. I still ended up telling everyone what happened, but it was a very organic process because people were reaching out to me. She had her gender reveal and this group of girls were like so confused as to why I wasn't there and they didn't buy the excuse she made up. And so they contacted me and that's when I told them. I always joked. I was like, I think she lost about 25 friends in 25 minutes because I started telling people mostly because I was like, I don't want this to happen to you. I don't want her to move on from me to you and your husband. And so I actually had a couple of friends, which I say in quotation marks because obviously they weren't my friend, who when I told them what happened, they were like, oh, you didn't know she cheats on her husband as like a hobby. So that summer 
that I mentioned where her and I kind of had some distance when I was when I was pregnant and all that, she was going out with these other girls and like cheating on her husband and they knew. Like they would like go out and like she would hook up with them in the car and they'd like wait for her in the other car, just things like that. Like they knew that she was promiscuous. They knew what she was doing and they never like bothered to tell me. Did you ever talk to her husband about what was going on? Is he aware of the situation? So that's the that's the crazy part. So he finally reached out to me, I think two or three months ago now because um, his now ex-wife, my ex-best friend and one of her other friends, like the only person I didn't like go confront or go tell because I we was just more of an acquaintance. Like I didn't really care. And I was like, yeah, if anyone's going to like go tell her that I've told everyone, it's going to be this girl. So anyway, they they were like gossiping about me. Yada, 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 yada. So he's like overhearing this because she had told him, oh, we got drunk one night and made out and I couldn't be friends with after that. Like she like told him something happened, but it was like so far from the truth. And I knew that that's what she had told him because that was what she had told the other friends and they didn't buy it. They were like, if her husband came on to you, why would you stop being friends with her? Like, why would you stop being friends with her? Like, if anything, she would stop being friends with you. So that was when they were like, we're not buying this. So he finally started like putting the puzzle pieces together and he was like, okay, if they got divorced, it must have been more than the story that I got. Gotcha. He finally, uh, he finally reached out to me and they had already been separated at that point. They had their own dysfunction that was going on and things like that. And so he sends me a text message and he's like, hey, this is so-and-so, so-and-so soon to be ex-husband. I don't know if you remember me. I don't know if you'd be up for talking about what happened between, you know, my ex-wife and your ex-husband all those years ago. If you are, I'd love to talk about it. In my mind, I'm like, oh, the whole entire internet knows. Like, I'm so open about this. Like, sure. My response to him was, I've been waiting to hear from you for three and a half years. Literally was all I said back to him. And so we like arranged a time to talk. We ended up talking for like an hour and a half. I told him, I said, I had this conversation with you in my head for nine months because I really thought I was going to run into him after the affair happened. I thought I was going to run into him at the grocery store. He was going to hit me up, run into him at the chiropractor, Costco, just like a small town. I'm like, how on earth did I not see you somewhere? And so it was crazy because the next day I woke up and I was like, wow, like I have so much relief. Like I didn't realize how big of a burden I was carrying around because I was carrying it around for so long that until it was lifted off of me, I didn't realize I was still carrying it around. So how did that conversation with him go? You kind of just got closure. You kind of cleared what actually happened up. So I basically told him everything I just told you, kind of like this is when it happened. And then I did mention like, I was like, honestly, one of the reasons I didn't reach out to you is because I thought you just kind of knew and just like turned a blind eye to it. He's like, no, I had no idea. And I go, oh, well, so-and-so and and -and so-and-so said she like used to cheat on you all the time. And he was like, had no idea. That's so heartbreaking for him. Like that he was just so left in the dark. They're divorced. Is your ex-husband and your ex-best friend, like, are they still together? Is she with somebody new? Like what's happening there? They ended things right after the affair. They ended things. It was kind of like awkward when they would see each other when we were still friends. And there, I definitely like had, we had better boundaries for sure. It was like, I only hung out with her outside of the house and things like that. That definitely ended. And then the irony of the whole situation is this ex-best friend is now currently pregnant with someone else's kid. And I'm not sure if she got knocked up right after they separated or if she got knocked up before they separated. I have no idea. So I'm like, okay, clearly this is just normal for her. I mean, there's obviously something deeper going on there. Right. That's like a serious betrayal for two really close people to you to hurt you on that kind of level. Like what was something that was helpful for you as you were healing from that? I definitely started going back to church and all of that. And I'm a very like spiritual person. And so I would just turn on like a lot of worship music and journal. And I just surrounded myself with 
good people. And it definitely helped that when I moved out and we got separated, I moved back to my hometown. COVID had finally like lifted like two years later. So like all of my friends were like going out again and restaurants were opening back up. And so there was just a lot of like fun things happening. And so it was like, it was definitely interesting, like being in my 30s and being newly single and like never dating. Like I've never been on a dating app. So it was definitely, I have some fun like dating stories because I was just like, is this how the real world is? Or is this just stuff that happened to me? Like my friends threw me my 30th birthday. So it was my first birthday being single and I had this huge party and it was like super, super fun. Every single person I ever had come into contact with, like since I'd been divorced was invited and we like just went out and had a really, really great time. And so it was nice to just be around community and be around people who just were really supportive. It seemed like, I mean, I don't want to, it seems like it was easy to move on, but we talk a lot on the podcast about how sometimes it's easier to move on when there's such a clear cut, like what they did to me was really fucked up. And so you just have to take that compartmentalize it and move on. What was that like dating for the first time at 30? Yeah, so it was definitely, it was very interesting because I was never in my entire life like a hookup girl. And so I didn't leave my ex-husband and then go hook up with a bunch of people. I was just like not into it. I don't think I've ever like had sex with anyone that I wasn't like in love with kind of a person. And so I remember like six months into leaving him, I hadn't even kissed anyone. And so I was kind of like using that, not over people, but I was just, I was very like, oh yeah, I haven't even kissed anyone yet. And so then people were like lining up, you know, I don't know if it was like, oh, I'm the Virgin Mary or something like that. It was, it was definitely, it was definitely interesting because it was like the more out of reach I got for people, the more people were like sliding into my DMs or like taking me out and things like that. And I had a good time. If men wanted to take me out on like a real date, I would definitely go. But I never like led anyone on. And I, I did a lot of thing in, things in groups, to be honest. Like if someone wanted to go out and I just was like not feeling it, I'd be like, oh, a whole group of us are meeting up at this location at this time. See you there. And so that was really, really what I did, to be honest. you have any words of wisdom and advice for anybody who was related to your story or who might go through this in the future? Yeah, definitely. So I was amazed uh, when I posted about this on TikTok and just the number of comments of people who were like, oh my gosh, same exact thing happened to me. And then I did have people who were DMing me because TikTok like just started to allow DMs. And so I had a few conversations with people who were just like, I don't know what to do. Like, how did you know to stay? How did you know to go? And I always told everyone, like, try to reconcile, go to therapy, see what happens. Because I do have friends who are in my situation who went through therapy and like they worked it out. And it's like, if you, you know, genuinely love this person and you can work through it, great. It was like going through this made me realize like, oh, fuck, we probably should have never gotten married to begin with. Like, I'm obviously glad I have my children. They're great and all that. But it was like, we were way too young. There are way too many red flags. I should have just avoided the situation probably altogether. Go through all of the steps that you're quote unquote supposed to do. And, you know, at first I did it because I was like, oh, at least if I leave him and, you know, I go to church, I can say, oh, you know, I tried it. We went to therapy. We did X, Y, and Z. So it's like part of me did it to like appease anyone who was going to judge me for sure. Or if my kids were ever like, well, did you try? It's like, yeah, you know, I gave it a fair try and it just did not work out. And it was like through all the therapy, I realized how messed up I was going into the relationship and how much like the person I dated before him fucked me up. And like, had I healed from that, I might not have even been with him in the first place. So that was one of the things too that happened was I had to go through a lot of therapy to like heal from pretty much all of my past relationships. What was it about that first relationship that you mentioned that you felt like you were getting healed from in in your relationship with your ex-husband? Because I know he cheated on you. So were you just looking for like validation? It was one of those things where, again, I was, you know, having sex with this person and I just felt so like, oh, I thought since I was having sex with you, we were going to get married. So then when we broke up and I'd met him at church, it was just like all of this damage. And I was so young. I was like 19 or 20 at the time. My ex-husband rolled into my life shortly after that. And I just totally rebounded to him basically. And it was kind of like, oh, you're nice too. And I met you at church. So, you know, I guess this is how it's going to be. And then it was like 
things just kind of started to progress. And again, there was all this pressure of like, oh, well, you can't live together and you shouldn't have sex until you're married. So go get married. And it was like his mom was a pastor and we were like, am I involved in leadership and youth group and things like that? And so they call it accountability, but it's really judgment at the end of the day. So you kind of swung from the pendulum to this side, like all that religious guilt hit you and you thought, oh my gosh. And I've heard that on the podcast before. It was almost like you felt like that was salvaging this sin, essentially. Basically. Yeah, basically. And there's when I was growing up, it was like, oh, if you do, if you, you know, if you sleep around before you're married or if you live together before you're married, the probability of you getting divorced skyrockets, right, is always like what I would hear on youth group and things like that. And that was always like the end goal was for you to get married once and not get divorced. But like they never talk about the emotional things that go into all these things that they're telling you not to do and like how it can literally damage like your mind and your soul. And like no one ever talks about like the psychology behind all that stuff. They're just like, don't do it. And so then you do it and you hide it and then it's just all all bad. Purity culture, I think, has really caused more harm than good. It really has put a lot of shame on people and I think has really cornered people into relationships that aren't actually healthy. There's so much pressure to be perfect that you feel like when you've made a mistake, sometimes you have to like double down in order to be saved. Yeah, no, I, I 100, 100% agree with that. Talk to me a little bit about how purity culture influenced your dating relationship with your ex-husband. One thing that I felt really impacted us and did have a lot to do with purity culture in church and things like that was that we were both kind of in the like leadership roles in like the young adults. And so I felt like there was a lot of pressure put on us to like be good examples. And so there were certain things that we could or couldn't do. Like at one point it was like, you guys can't even ride in a car together. And this church has like multiple campuses and like one's like 30 miles away. And so it's like, one, we're all like trying to carpool. Two, like if I'm driving there late at night, my parents felt safer that I was with someone and had no problem. So I literally had to like have my parents like, okay, that like him and I would like be in the car together alone. Like, oh, because you're in leadership, we have to hold you to this higher standard. And so then when it came to dating, you know, it was like, okay, you know, don't have sex before you're married. Don't live together before you're married. Kind of all that typical stuff that people are used to. I remember someone else was like, oh, you guys shouldn't work out together. Because at the time we were like, when we first started dating or being friends, we were like training for a marathon together. And so one of the pastors was like, you guys shouldn't be working out together. People are going to think that you're having sex. Like I never had had someone like put those two things together. And at the time, we really just were like friends and building friendship and there was nothing physical between us. So it was so weird to me to even hear that from someone. So that definitely dictated a lot of different choices in the fact that felt like things were put on like a faster pace. Like you needed to know at the year mark after you've been dating, poop or get off the pot. Like, are you going to get married? If you're going to get married, you need to go to premarital counseling before you're engaged and figure all this stuff out or you need to break up. And so it was just very rules and rules and rules and just fast paced. At the end of the day, their goal was to keep us from having sex before we were married. So that was definitely a hard, a hard thing because we were just too young. Had we lived together, realized what life was going to be like, we probably wouldn't have gotten married. So do you feel differently about a lot of those principles now that you've been a victim of it? Oh, 100%. I think that there's so many other things that people need to be more like guarding yourself about that like living together is just not that big of a deal. You know, be careful hanging out with groups of friends because, you know, your partner might be cheating on you or like there's not as much talk about things that actually cause problems. Like we're so caught up on this, like don't live together, don't have sex, but like we're never focused on, oh, you know, is your partner knee deep into porn or oh, is your partner knee deep into liking Instagram models or is your partner knee deep into DMing strangers or Snapchat or all these other things that are out there now that are like way more crucial in determining kind of the outcome of a relationship and not so old school, like Old Testament, things like that. Yeah, they really need to come out with another book of the Bible that's like that 
thou shalt not DM Instagram thought. <laughs> that would really, really help a lot more relationships than maybe the car rule. I've never heard the car rule or the gym rule. I mean, there's a lot of stuff like I get, like obviously coming from a church background, boundaries and stuff. What do they think is going to happen on your carpool to youth group? Right. I'm not sure. I mean, I know what they think is going to happen, but it's like if it's going to happen in the car on the way to youth group, it's already happening. So. What's something that nobody tells you about divorce or that nobody really can tell you about? Like what like what's something you couldn't have prepared for? I didn't realize really how many resources there are for women who are wanting to like leave a relationship that they shouldn't be in. You know, government support with food stamps or, you know, you're going to get child support from your spouse. Depending on how long you're already married, you're going to get alimony and just different things like that where it's like, don't feel like you can't leave because oh, I don't have a job. Well, okay, you might, you know, not have a ton of income coming in initially because all those programs do take a little bit of time. However, it's like if you have a family member or a friend or something that you can, you know, rent a room from and, you know, exchange them. Like, I'm going to clean, I'm going to do your yard work and I do these other things in exchange for that until you're able to get those programs in place. That was definitely something had I known about, I would have like definitely left a lot sooner. So that was something that was holding you back from leaving was you didn't have like a source of income for yourself, right? Correct. I was doing like freelance social media marketing. And so it was something that wasn't as, you know, as steady and things like that. And then at the time, I think I was so embarrassed as to what happened. So my family didn't know, but I always look back and I'm like, oh, wow, my family would have been like super supportive. You know, at the time had I left right when it happened, like my kids and I would have moved in with my parents versus by the time I told them my brother was living there. So there are definitely factors. And I think I would have still ended up where I am now uh, in my trailer and things like that. I just would have had somewhere to go initially. And so definitely having, you know, some family support helps as well. And just knowing that, you know, that probably will be a temporary situation until your state or whatever can step in and either like have wages garnished from paychecks and just different things like that. So if you could just give one piece of advice to someone who's listening and they're like, oh my gosh, I want to leave, but I'm terrified. It seems really scary. Like what's one piece of advice or encouragement you would give them? One thing that I would recommend and just really think about is, is your life going to be better if you stay with them? And if the answer is no, and it can't get any worse, then leave. So that was one thing that definitely helped me as I was looking at my situation. I was like, well, it can't get any worse than this. So like I'm done. Hit that rock bottom. Yeah. On Thursday's breakdown bonus episode, we're talking about the trauma that comes with infidelity. I'll be talking to a trauma therapist all about how to tackle that trauma head on and how you can help yourself through that really deep emotional wound. And don't forget the breakup submission form is in the episode description and you can find us on Instagram at breakup breakdown podcast.